Welcome to the WP Builds Podcast, bringing you the latest news from the WordPress community. Now, welcome your hosts, David Wormsley and Nathan Wrigley. Hello there and welcome to the WP Builds Podcast. This is episode 134, entitled What Makes Us Trust WordPress Software Developers? It was published on Thursday, the 27th of June, 2019. My name's Nathan Wrigley from pictureandword.co.uk, a small web development agency based in the north of England. And I'll be joined later by David Wormsley from davidwormsley.com so that we can have our discussion. Just a couple of things before I do that, if I could encourage you to go over to the wpbuilds.com website and look at the menu at the top of that website. The first item I want to point your attention to is the subscribe link. And if you click on that, you're gonna be able to join our newsletter. We've got two, one newsletter, enables you to receive updates about the podcast and the other letter receiving updates about any offers that we find out about on WordPress plugins, themes, etc. We'll email those straight out to you. You can also do things like join us on your favorite podcast player. So it might be Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts. Join our Facebook group of over 2000 WordPress professionals all trying to figure out and help each other along the way. And then there's things like updates on Messenger and Slack. The other pages I want to point your attention to is the deals page. That's wpbuilds.com forward slash deals. Whole bunch of offers on WordPress products. We've got 25% off this and 30% off that. So basically, if you're looking for a particular product, go and check that page out because we might very well have it, even though it's not Black Friday. Another page to mention is wpbuilds.com forward slash contribute if you'd like to come on the podcast and join me and share some things that you think you've done, something that you've achieved, something that you're proud of. I will happily put it on our website so that you can teach other people some of the things that you yourself have been struggling with. Also, if you use the webinars link, you'll be taken to a page showing the webinars that we have done, lots and lots of those, and the webinars that we have still yet to do. So up and coming, we've got UX for everyone. Speed up your design process with UX. That's with Peach and Neri. And also we've got a podcasting one. So Craig Hewitt owns a, a platform called Castos, which actually powers the WP Builds website, and he's introduced a new feature which transcribes your audio into text. So he's going to be coming on showing us how that works as well. So if you feel like coming on and joining us, please feel free to do that. If you go to the giveaways link, you'll be taken to a page where our competitions are. We've only got one at the moment. It's from Adam Lacey, his Split Hero platform. He's offering to give away uh, four different prizes there. So if you're into A-B testing, go and check that one out and see if you can win that competition. And the very last one I want to mention today is wpbuilds.com forward slash advertise. If you would like your product or service mentioning on the WP Builds podcast, get your, your theme, your plugin in front of a wider audience. And they sound a bit like this. Do you use a page builder to create your websites? The page builder framework is a mobile responsive and lightning fast WordPress theme that works with Beaver Builder, Elementor, Breezy and other page builders. With its endless customization options in the WordPress customizer, it's the perfect fit for you or your agency. Go to wp-pagebuilderframework.com today. And we thank our sponsors for their support of the WP Builds podcast. I was actually in WordCamp Europe in Berlin over the weekend, and I was very lucky enough to meet David Von Gries, the developer of the Page Builder Framework, among, amongst many other people who were there. It was very nice to meet him and strike up a, a real-world friendship. Just one other thing before we get stuck right into the podcast. We do have a news section, which we do live in our Facebook group on a Monday at 2 o'clock. This week it was over to Tuesday because of the fact that I was in WordCamp Europe. But uh, do join us for that in our Facebook group, 2 p.m. UK time on a Monday. Right, let's get stuck into this week's topic. It's entitled, What Makes Us Trust WordPress Software Developers? It, we go right into the weeds of all of the different metrics that David and I use to before we go out buying plugins and themes and so on. Some of them are obvious, some of them less so, but uh, I think it's important to build up some level of trust before you go out and purchasing things because I think we've probably all been burned in the past. Most of this is inspired by David and the thoughts that he's had in the past. So here we go. I hope you enjoy it. 
This discussion, we're calling what makes us trust WordPress software developers. So Nathan and I proudly acknowledge that we're implementers. Our coding skills don't stretch as far as us building any serious software solutions and our client budgets don't really stretch that far either. So we're really dependent on WordPress developers for their themes and plugins. So we haven't really talked about the sort of trust that we put in those developers because we do depend on them. I um, I have a, such a different sort of heritage from you on this because obviously, you know, as I've discussed many times until it's probably about four years ago now, I keep saying two, but it's maybe four and four or five, something like that, that I came to WordPress. Prior to that, I was using Drupal and their um, modules. You, you, you don't really pay anything you just use the module because it's free and open source and so you have this sort of expectation that it's it might work and if it does Mm. that's fabulous and if it doesn't work you move on and you try something else or you tinker with the code a little bit or you know file a support ticket or something so this whole notion of having to trust a particular person was was not so much the case over there so when I came i I hadn't really come across this notion before of, you know, trying to trust a particular uh, plugin developer or plugin company. So it was all very new to me. And then when we got started on this podcast, you at some point talked with me, whether it was on the podcast, I don't remember, about this sort of due diligence that you go through. You know, when you come across a new plugin, you you have like a little checklist of things that you go through. And, and kind of that's what this episode is about, I suppose. Yeah. Well, you know, I wish I kind of lived up to what I said because I, yeah, I think there is a distinction sometimes when I know I'm going to really depend on it and clients are. Now I've had to get much more professional because I want long term relationship with clients. Mm. I get smart when it comes to the really essential stuff. But I think just like everybody else, marketing really influences me on all of the kind of periphery stuff, the stuff that I can probably change out easily. Yeah, I guess we're all going to be suckered in by some things, aren't we? There's going to be certain bits that our psychology draws us in on. But we've made, um, we had quite a long chat, actually, before we recorded this episode. And we've made quite a long list um, of of the sort of notions, the things that we think enable us or disable us to trust software developers so if you are a software developer this you know literally this is not aimed at anyone and if you if you come away thinking i'm sure that conversation was about me uh, (laughs) it really wasn't but if you are a a a developer it might be interesting to 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 listen to this one from the point of view of us users of your stuff because i suppose as a developer it's quite easy to just sort of get lost in the code and um, lose sight of what people like like us your customers are doing on the other hand, yeah. maybe you're very focused on this, but should, should we go through it? Perhaps just go through it in order. What do you think? Nathan, before we go on, I want to ask you, because I've never asked you this before, how did you trust the Drupal software? Was there certain modules or elements that you could trust more than others? Yeah, because of the fact that everybody uses Drupal.org to download the plugins, it's a bit like WordPress.org, and there is literally zero... Um, commercial ecosystem everybody's using the same plugins so a good litmus test is literally the number of downloads Uh, so and there are some plugins that just it's clear that there's lots and lots of people developing and you can see the um, you can see the support tickets on there and you can see the number of commits and things like that but primarily it was to do with firstly the the number of downloads and so on and so forth so similar to mm. to wordpress.org but um yeah not having a commercial component that's all that you that's all that you used and so everybody would feed back to the same bit of software so if something for example in the views module was broken you can be pretty sure that it would be fixed really quickly because tens of thousands of people were using that exact same uh, module and quite a lot of those people were capable of um, amending it and committing and fixing it. Uh, right. Because yeah, it's not in the hands sense. of one particular person, if you know what I mean. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Right. So we'll, we'll get on with the list then. Mm-hmm. So we were just really asking the question, are these things important? So the first one we got was um, the 
the product being owned by the developer who made or coded it? Is this a kind of important thing for trust? I, I have to say, for me, it has been. It, it definitely wasn't one that I set out to to notice in that there's a whole bunch of things that I have downloaded and come to trust over time. And it turns out that they are run by an individual or were run by an individual. And then perhaps their success has enabled them to get somebody on to, to do some other thing with them, maybe support or help them with the code and what have you. And I never set out for this to be a criteria, but it turns out that an awful lot of the things that I use have got this characteristic and I do, yeah. I do like it. I am drawn to the fact that this one individual has decided to, to, to spend an awful lot of time making this thing as good as possible. And you know what it's like. Um, as an example, in the real world, we always hire this one particular painter and decorator because he's painstaking about it. Mm. And he comes back and he makes sure that everything's fine. And I'm... I'm pretty sure that there's a whole bunch of painters and decorators where I live who could do an equally good job but I'm just drawn to him because I've noticed his attention to detail and I've noticed the fact that he, he really cares so the same happens here you know you, you see them on podcasts you hear about them you see their blog updates you notice that they're offering support tickets um, personally and you think yeah that sounds good to me it sounds like you've got a lot of skin in the game and I'm I'm going to be more more likely to be drawn to that. Yeah, you? absolutely. Yeah, it's the same. And it feels, but I don't know if my history is right on this, because I mean, I go back to, I think the kind of end of 2006, when I first became aware of WordPress and got into really using it the next year. And it was about the time when the first commercial themes were coming out. So we had Brian Gardner bring out his I think revolution theme at that time. And that seemed to be, in my experience, it was all about these kind of core developer people. It was kind of like people as in Drupal, but they're taking the first steps to something that you could add on commercially. Mm -hmm. And that's how it seemed to be. So you kind of knew the people, they were already in it. They were solving their own problems that they had with WordPress and you could relate to it. And that's always stuck with me. So I still tend to trust these things, but maybe that's not really a true account of history because if I look back, I'm pretty sure that things like Theme Forest, which was kind of large organizations where lots of people would submit uh, their pro products to, they were around at the same time and they mm. were kind of outside of the ecosystem and, and more focused on you know making money really than just kind of being a community member, you know? Yeah, I do. I understand what you mean. I mean, I think it does... Clearly, if somebody's into their product and they are prepared to stick with it, then that's great. I suppose that comes at the expense of growth, potentially. You know, if you are, if you're a person who's decided to put a lot of effort into a plugin and it turns out not to be commercially successful, it's not sold as many as you need it to support your life, then yeah. that's a problem because then you're you're much more likely to step away from that and then the one person who was doing anything with it abandons it so we get you know this abandonware and then of course there's the other thing that literally they they might it's horrible to say it but they might meet with an accident or something you know and yeah, um, yeah. suddenly they're out of the picture through no fault of their own and so that plugin the capability for keeping that plugin going has kind of died up uh, dried up sorry died up yeah, mm. literally mm. <laughs> yeah <clears throat> i mean that's always been my worry you know the single person trying to uh, keep their business running because if they're really into the code and developing they're probably not so great on the marketing because it's like a whole different set of skills mm. isn't it mm. and you need the marketing to keep the product alive so they can make money so they can continue to support it and, I, and I, this is always the tricky balance for me i must admit i still I think the ideal for me tends to be when there is kind of one or two key people behind the product who still have a vision for it, if you like. They know why they made that product, still supporting it, even if they outsource some of those jobs to other people or they grow bigger, you know, to and get people in to do the marketing. I yeah. think I'm less keen on the, or let's say I'm more suspicious. It takes a lot more for me to trust the, uh, organizations who are perhaps fundamentally marketers 
who get mm. developers in. Mm. <laughs> well, that's that's quite a common thing, though, isn't it? You know, you've, we've seen that time and again where people uh, are simply the marketing front, and you you never really kind of get to know who is behind this. Now, interesting at this point to just take a sidestep slightly. What is it that you do to go out and find? Uh, who these people are? Do you like go and search their about us pages? Do sort of like separate Google searches and things like that? Yeah, God, they ask, do you know that's one of my big beefs. When I don't see an about page, I'm already upset. Mm. Mm. <laughs> but I mean, if I really think their product's great, then I will go and try and search them out somewhere else. So mm. I'll start, you know, if I can find a name, I'll start to search that and look at their other work and see if I can find them on WordPress with other plugins and that kind of thing. I, I, it's terrible, isn't it? Really stalking behavior. And I, uh, But there are podcasts like the WP Builds podcast mm. where there are interviews with these folks and that is really handy. Yes. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's a good point. You get to hear them unvarnished talking about their own product and you know, uh, proselytizing about it or or whatever it might be. Yeah, it's a good point. But sort of a little bit of a Google search. Do you ever sort of contact them prior to purchase just just to find out more about them? Um, yeah, I have occasionally. Mm. Um, sometimes, you know, move on to this one. So we're going to cross over, I think. But, you know, one thing I have often asked about is whether something is under the general public license <laughs> so okay. yeah. if i don't know and i can't see it <clears throat> because that's one of my deciding factors on it so yeah i've done that a few times right but that's probably about it yeah i must admit i'm far less um i don't know what it is i don't go through that process quite so much i think really i'm much more reliant and we'll come on to this a little bit later i'm much more reliant on my peers to give me some good advice so well you're a perfect example you know I kind of have got to the point where I trust what you say um which is you know uh, ridiculous oh God. <laughs> yeah yeah but um but you know people like you uh, who I've understand have gone through these processes before I kind of trust what you say and so I've kind of um, outsourced my my due diligence to you <laughs> oh dear <laughs> I I must admit, I mean, sticking with the first sort of thing, I, 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 I've i always not quite had an opinion on, on these different companies. So companies that are, have a lot of plugins that mm. they do. So, you know, somebody manages that <clears throat> and they basically find niches, don't they, and fill those. So we've got iThemes and we've got WPMU Dev, those kind of big houses of plugins. I've never been attracted to those, but right. you know, you can see the model can be. It's, it's, it makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? In a way, yeah. If you can, I, I suppose this is all about growth, isn't it? And at some point, you've got to begin. So, at what point would you be satisfied that this person's history is suitable? So, you know, let's say, for example, that a new plugin pops up tomorrow from an eighteen-year-old developer. He's got no yes. history. He's got literally, he's got no Twitter record. You can't find him on WordPress.org because there's yeah. nothing there. And yet the product seems to be good. I suppose at the end of the day, all you've got at that point is reaching out to them, maybe hope that they appear on podcasts. If you were technically minded, you could, I suppose, uh, download it and re review the source code and refund it on the 14-day money-back yeah. guarantee and all that kind of stuff. There are ways of doing it. But yeah, as these as these companies grow and they morph into bigger companies, you know, you mentioned iThemes and things where they've div diversified and done lots of other things. Yeah, it's just a different model. I, I tend to find myself working with with companies that seem to just do one or two things and try to concentrate on those. That just seems to be the way it's worked out for me. Yeah, I, I think that's always my preference. It, it is nice if you just know that there is somebody and they've got a, a set of values over where their products go in. Yep. Um, that's, I think that's another thing that I fear the most is not knowing where a product that I buy for a particular reason. That's, I think, where my trust issues came in is because I made that mistake very mm. early on. I, uh, I think I may have spoken about this before, but we had a shop and we then moved it to WooCommerce when it came out and there was a great theme forest theme that I got, really, really popular. And it just did the job for me really, really quickly. <laughs> and it just went wrong for me 
me because it was really heavy and it was mm. really popular and people asked for lots lots more stuff to get added to it and it got heavier and heavier and i had mm. to abandon it after a long time mm. and revert to genesis which was very basic and required me to do a lot of work and that's really where i've that's that one incident has really changed how i view things because i want to make sure that the product's pretty much going to be the same product that i bought in the first place yeah upon updating on a daily basis i basically go into you know my my updating app which i use which is main wp and i update things pretty much on a daily basis and you see the list of plugins up there and you do think i'm really putting a lot of trust in these people because (laughs) when i click this update button I am I'm just hoping that there's no extra work suddenly generated by what you've done. And so having that trust, having yeah. that knowledge, having that understanding of the history of this particular person or small company or large company whatever it might be is crucial. Um yeah. 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 Okay, should we move on to the next one? Yeah, no, there was just one thing I wanted to add on to. I think that's one of the attractions with knowing the one person behind the, the product who feels that the, the the responsibility of those updates rests on their shoulders. Yes, very good point. Yeah, and, I, and, and I think, yeah, that's the problem when it's sort of uh, more diluted amongst lots of developers. You know, no one has that sort of feeling that, that they are singly responsible for what goes out. Yeah, I mean, we've all come across plugins that have just become... Uh, unmaintained you've all seen them in wordpress.org you've probably bought commercial yeah. plugins that seem to go away and we don't really know the reason that that has happened but it, it is it, it it does just create work whatever the reason is whether it was legitimate or just laziness the the end yeah. result is that you you have got to end up doing some more work to, to maintain those sites and that's that's regrettable so the other thing we got down is company or developer history how important is that to you, Nathan? Well, we spoke about this a moment ago, and obviously you have to, to some extent, you have to root with for the um, for the little guy, don't you, who's just starting out and beginning and what have you. But let's be honest: at the end of the day, it does. It really matters. I think it's quite common for us all to to you know, if a company's been around for uh, three, four, five years. I mean, we're not talking decades, are we, in the WordPress space? Mm. They've been around for that length of time and you've heard no whopping horrible stories about abandonment or poor uh, support services or plug-in updates breaking everything. That really, really counts for a lot, even if they're terrible at marketing. You know, they never appear on podcasts. They never put out videos explaining their recent updates. The fact that they've been around, they're used by lots and lots of people and stuff just doesn't break counts for a lot. Yeah, I I think that is true as well (laughs) for me, uh, having a bit of history. But, you know, I have you know, have rooted for the underdog. And Mm. then that's when you need to do all the other checks, I think, Mm. a lot more, try and find out what they're about. I think maybe, (sighs) is there a possibility, do you think, where uh, having a longer history may be not such a good thing? So, you know, let's put it like this. So a marketing executive who's, you know, had a 50-year career or something may not be the, the greatest marketer around these days as everything was completely disrupted by the internet and all the rules of marketing change. Do you think that could be possible with plug-in developers? I'm sure it's possible in the sense that, you know, there's these new technologies, you know, React yeah. and various things that come along and uh, and ostensibly speed things up. So if the next generation are developing on a different software stack and it's it's palpably faster and it's capable of doing things quicker and they can iterate faster and put out new versions with less efforts yeah I'm, I'm sure that makes a difference i suppose it's one of those sort of like long burn things maybe we we as plugin developers and as and for, for you and i consumers of those plugins there does need to be a little sort of bedding in period i think it's a bit a bit naive to expect that you can release your first plugin and for it to be a runaway success Uh, I would imagine that most people doing what you and I do for a living are going to have some level of scepticism. And even if you're not um, actively creating a list and ticking off the boxes to ensure that it complies with your your company's requirements or your business's requirements, on some level, you're going to be saying, "Mm, I don't know about this. It all looks a bit new and flashy and what have you. Let's I'll come back to it in a couple of years. I'll come back to it in a year and see if it's any good. And I suppose plug in developers, you've got to 
have a little bit of that in you got to think i'm not going to go into the market and storm the whole thing because it happens definitely happens yes but um maybe that's just part and parcel of the job you know you wouldn't walk for example into i don't know an accountancy firm and expect to be a director very very rapidly you know it's a it's a long thing you're going to be there for many years chugging it out hoping to gain credibility and not make too many mistakes and eventually be rewarded by that prize that you're after and maybe the same for sort of plugin developers maybe success comes through all of the things that we mentioned longevity not messing everything up not breaking things and offering good support over the years yeah Yes, I think you're right on that. I was just thinking about that because a lot of products do. In fact, the one that you and I trust a lot, Beaver Builder, kind of, you know, we didn't really see any sort of plug-in history with them. They just kind of appeared, didn't they? Mm. And I guess they. I guess what was interesting about that that one, and again, it'll probably happen over and over again in the next ten years, is that they kind of occupied a new space, didn't they? Some new mm. new um, category of product. Whereas a lot of the plugins that that I use, they're not really, what's the word? They're not sort of claiming a beachhead. They're not starting something that's never been done before. Very often it's like a minor thing. Uh, They're they're copying the functionality of another plugin, doing something very, very similar, but trying to do it in a different way. Um, Whereas they were right at the forefront of the whole page builder thing. uh, Literally what you see is what you get type of page builder. And so... I think they they perhaps managed to circumvent that whole longevity trust thing because it was so intriguing and so brand new. And then, as luck would have it, they gained the trust because of what they did uh, over the, the, the next few years. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I always find them fascinating because they break a lot of the rules, you know, for me, you know, when I'm checking people up. But I still went with them. It's, I don't know what it is that led them, led me to trust them. I think it was just really their appearances and what they said about how they saw them, the, their job in the mm. space mm. sort of really clicked with me. But the uh, next one was, um, <laughs> do they have to be fully committed to the WordPress as a company is that important to us do you want to go with that one first and then I'll give my opinion after you yeah okay well I'm I'm kind of sensitive to this particularly with the licensing so I, I decided it has to be GPL but that's really all about covering my own ass because you know I want clients to believe that I'm building their site even though I'm an implementer mm. and that they kind of own their site so I just want to be sure that I can say that code is yours. We did build it. It it belongs to you. So I don't want any kind of proprietary code in any of my builds. Mm. So that one thing is quite important to me. But, um, yeah, I I find it really reassuring if I see that they're trying to contribute to core, getting involved in community events. Yep. I I sort of took that question in a slightly different direction. When I was thinking about that, I I was literally thinking, because the question that you posed read, do they have to be fully committed, a fully committed WordPress company? I took that Mm -hmm. to mean, is that all that they do? In other words, um, are Uh they only producing WordPress products? So if I go to their website, can I see that they're producing um, let's say things for Joomla or Magento uh, mm. in addition to that. And and in answer to that question, I thought it didn't really matter if they were producing for other software platforms. You know, if you if you understand uh, PHP and JavaScript and all that, and, and you've spent the time as a company upskilling in all of those different platforms, I thought that was fine. But then again, I also said, actually, I think on some level it would sway me if I can see that you've you've committed to WordPress and that's all that you do. You could definitely wear that as a badge of honor and say, we are proudly a WordPress company. That is what we're committed to, every effort to, to push WordPress forward. I, I'm definitely persuaded by that argument as well. And seeing things like we donate one of our developers two hours a week to commit to core, well, that's just icing on the cake, isn't it? They're helping everybody, and and I do love to see that. And I I know that lots of lots of the companies that um that I buy things from have that commitment. Maybe not on a weekly basis, but they do push some of their uh, profits mm. towards WordPress, and that's admirable. I think in every way. Yeah, I I really like that. And th- there is also a a kind of business philosophy, isn't there, with um going into wordpress we're going into open source isn't there there's mm. a different outlook 
to yeah. business with yeah. it because in theory you know gpl shouldn't work you know? yes yeah. everybody should be stealing the stuff and making as much money out of it so i kind of like it when companies have gone with the whole ethos of of wordpress yeah i'm not even sure if wordpress is getting with its own ethos at the moment, well but... yeah we're in we're in interesting times aren't we should we say but the <laughs> yeah. yeah to your point of is it uh, is the code available for anybody i think i think that's important i think having code which is gpl compatible yeah. uh, is good have i used non-gpl compatible code excuse me i'm sure i have uh, will i in the future i'm sure i will um but that doesn't stop me um admiring it yeah exactly do you do i do you actually go and check this thing because i actually do it i do go in if i've got a plug-in and go and check that the um the license is in the the plugin. i think i'm in a minority think, in doing that yeah i think you probably are i have done that there but more out of i've got nothing else to do kind of thing you know it's not <laughs> the um it's not right at the top of my mind but again like i said um i am listening to people like you and watching videos from people like you and kind of drawing assumptions that if you're talking about it then you know i, I can trust that 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 due diligence has been done by you again outsourcing my brain but no n not particularly should i yes i probably should because it benefits but uh, no it's not in all honesty something that i spend myself uh, spend my time mm. doing no I, I don't think we do and it's a long I, I was a long time doing this before i looked really i mm. think it was again it's it's ask covering in a way we should do shouldn't we yes. i guess if we have yep. to make contracts with with clients yep. about ownership we, yep. we probably need to know what we do own <laughs> yeah and you know that obligation at the at the end when you hand things over to explain clearly right you need to go and buy this license please because it's not covered uh, for me to have given it to you the one that i was working on is mine and you must go and purchase another one that's an important conversation to have and probably easy to forget yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. So, yeah, the next one we got down here, we'll probably misinterpret this as well. Uh, do we need a story behind the product? So what I was trying to say with this one, it was, um, does that sway us? Or do we trust people if they've got an interesting backstory, as um, in X Factor? It kind of feels to me like this is talking about, you know, I'm scratching my own itch. In other words, yes. I was playing with WordPress one day. I was doing something for my company and I suddenly realized I needed a tool to do this. And so I went out and built it. Those kind of stories. Yeah, I like them. They speak to me because because then everything is born out of a need and an interest as opposed to um, an economic need and interest, which I think mm. are two quite different things. Obviously, you, you know, it's semantic to say the least, but... Uh, I do like that. You know, I, I like the fact that this person has invested an awful lot of time into something to solve a problem that they had. Kind of makes me feel that they've got a bit of skin in the game. But that's probably where it ends. Yeah. It, well, again, it's it's a persuader for me. But the, the only problem is, I think, is that um, people who are doing copycats probably know that this is a persuader and will copycat the same story as yeah. well. Yeah. That's a perfect That's... example, though, the whole copycat thing. That's an example of not really having any skin in the game apart from the the economics of it. You know, you've worked out that this product is very successful, so you're going to release a variation of it, not significantly better, possibly not significantly worse, but just to disrupt and grab a bit of that market share. It, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm being churlish, I think. But, yeah, I like <laughs> I like it when there's a story. Yeah, so do I. And particularly if it relates to what I'm doing, then I feel, you know, we're kindred spirits and mm. we're on the same side. And that, mm. that makes me. But, I, you know, I've, I have to confess, you know, when it comes to this, I, I've also bought kind of copycat products, particularly SaaS stuff, because if that product isn't kind of a fundamental part of my business and I'm only going to spend so much money as I expect, I'm not going to use it much on client work. Mm. You know, I, I end up going on the because of lifetime deals or lower costs yeah i'll end up going for a copycat so well we'll come to that a little bit later further down the list we've got this idea of fear of missing out so we'll we'll come to that <laughs> I, I think that fits in perfectly in that little area so the next one yeah. is mm -hmm. um do we just make sure i haven't missed one out yeah here we go do we need to know the product's target audience now i'm, I'm going to let you take this one because i don't really have a have a too much of an opinion on this <laughs> Yeah, well, I guess 
when I was writing this, I, I already got my own answer, um, which is something I, I'm really conscious about is um, the kind of attitudes to the development of a product. So I think there are two different types of products out there and lots of people in between, but there are those that are adding lots and lots of new features all the time um, because that's what people often ask for. And then there's those type of products which I've tended to be attracted to, which are fearful of technical debt. So they only want to put in as little as possible and keep them stable. Mm-hmm. So I, I think for me, it's often very important to know who they're aiming it for. So if they're, it, the likelihood is if they're putting lots more stuff in, it's probably aimed more at um, perhaps new people who want an all-in-one solution, perhaps more towards DIYers than pros. Mm. I could be wrong, but that's kind of my thing. That's why I like to know who they think they're aiming for. Are they aiming for small freelancers or agencies like I associate with, or are they trying to make their product for the general public, Mm. uh, a much wider audience? I took this question to mean what does their roadmap look like, which is probably taking off in a bit of a tangent. But, you know, the question was, do we need to know the target, the product's target audience? I was thinking about this from the point of view of where are they going with this in the future? You know, what what audience are they trying to satisfy in the future? And I kind of really like a, a pretty minimal roadmap. It's really interesting to me when you when you see a lot of software mm. launched, there's this general clamor to see what's on the roadmap and the the consistent story that I hear being shouted quite loudly is they want more and more and more and more on the roadmap. In other words, I've got this edge case, yes. put it on the roadmap. I've got this edge case, put it on the roadmap. And I, I, I want the opposite. I want the I want the roadmap to be really serious and small. So in other words, we're gonna deal with these absolute must have items. And these other things, yeah, mm. sure enough, we'll put them on the roadmap if we really must. But they're not going in the same column as the serious stuff. They're going into a, okay, if there's time, we'll get to this. But it, it for me, it has to be about stability, making sure the roadmap caters to that target audience, satisfies them, is rock solid and minimal. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's exactly where I'm at. Mm. I think, you know, roadmaps are a great way of kind of selling a promise of whether, you know, where it will go. So you're kind of promising ahead, aren't you, of being Mm. able to deliver something. And I think there's a real pressure for people to create those roadmaps to to get those initial sales, which they'll need to keep the product going. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) You know, what a pressure. Yeah. If you're a product, you know, if you're launching a product, it must be irresistible almost to to say yes to everybody, you know, because you, you wish to generate sales and that's the primary goal, right? Uh, certainly at the yeah. beginning, you know, support isn't so much of an issue. It's more about just getting people on board. And and if, if it, it's easy to write in that box, um, I'm thinking about a Kanban board like Trello or something easy to write. Mm. Okay, we'll add Zapier yeah. or we'll add an extra field to this plugin or whatever it might be. Uh, easy to add the, those things in, but 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 then hard to hard to live up to technical debt yeah. that you talked about it makes it problematic and and I, I suppose i i like to see it when people kind of wrestle that back and sort of say look you know that's this is not where we're going with this you know we can't have everything otherwise we'll be nothing we'll just be constantly trying to patch things as they go wrong in the future and uh there's a terrible balance there i think between yeah. technical debt and and product stagnate stagnation as yeah. well because you have to keep you know moving it forward as well yep. because new new requirements are there your audience change but i like it when they it's very rare to see that that a product will actually kind of honestly answer who their target audience are because they're likely to sort of say who they're likely to attract so i think i think there's a tendency these days in the wordpress market knowing that most people will want the pro tools even if they're not a pro mm. to say that their tools are always aimed at the pros mm. yeah <laughs> so i have a lot of sympathy for developers on this one because the the clamor of the cloud the crowd must yeah. be enormously persuasive um and probably the developers know very well that it's not a great idea to to put all this stuff in but yet it might lead to more sales because the promise is there so uh, lots of sympathy and uh, i don't i don't have an answer for that i just um no just no. know what, where I come from on that one. Yeah, there are. I mean, I think there are some products. So page builders, you know, they're pretty much the same in what they can do. But I think something like 
Thrive Architect uh, very much is niching down on the marketers. Mm. Um, and I think, you know, so that's great. I think it probably attracts those people. So it's probably an example of somebody who does have a target audience. So I do try and look out for that. Yeah, but yeah. I think it's in them. It's in the small conversations people have on perhaps podcasts. Yeah, no, but that's a good point. You know, it, and they've learned through many years that that's they're they're the audience that they're going to satisfy best, and uh, so they're going to put on the roadmap the things which satisfy the audience best. But probably took them a long time to get there, and it required them to be profitable in the meantime, and so on and so forth. Yeah. So the next yeah. one is personality a factor? Ooh. No, I don't care. No, really, simple <laughs> as that. Yeah. Um, I've put here that I think I think it's actually quite crucial. I don't I don't what I'm I suppose I've got to be careful what I say here. I don't mean that you have a similar personality to me or that you say the right words or you you know you you have a magnetic personality. What I mean by this is like we spoke about a moment ago if you if you demonstrate through your actions not that you're great on a podcast or good on youtube or whatever but if you if you demonstrate through your actions that your personality is one of i don't know support the product that you've that you've created keep it updated you know do things in a timely manner test things thoroughly mm. with beta testers before that's where i was going with personality but yeah. regarding whether or not they're they're good at public speaking and all that kind of stuff no that doesn't matter to me in the slightest <laughs> yeah and i was joking really because it does actually matter a lot to me because i think you know hearing people and just describing their i guess their view of the world does help you understand how they might treat their products i guess it's yeah. how yeah i do tend to feel that how they kind of treat people and, and behave and talk is an indicator of how they might treat their business and their customers as well yeah. so I, I really do tune into that and i kind of do you know i am attracted to the quite moderate as we both are mm. um stable type people <laughs> no i think you're right uh, whether the bigger personalities scare me a little bit. You might be in for a really interesting ride with their product, <laughs> and it might be very. <laughs> That's a great way of describing it. In for an interesting ride. We're um, we are going to have to speed up, I think. Otherwise, this episode's going to just go on oh. for like an hour. Um, so should we should we press forward quickly with these yep. last few? So now we're on to the section. How are we influenced? So, you know, what is it that gives you an impression of somebody and so on and so forth? So the first one is um, endorsements from thought leaders. Do you do you listen to particular people? Are there people in the WordPress community, YouTube, podcasts, whatever, press, uh, you know, sorry, uh, blogs and things like that that um, that influence you? Yeah, it stopped, stopped happening. They used to do and they was you know, there was lots of bloggers that led me to certain products and, you know, a lot of them I trusted and I think I was right to trust them. These days I don't, I try and rely on myself a lot more now, mm. but I do think there's a lot more marketing going on and there's a lot more voices out there. And, uh, you know, because, you know, where now <laughs> partly in the public eye that you, you realize, you know, uh, People have to fund these things, so there's friendships, loyalties, there's money involved sometimes in endorsing products. Mm. So you know, I think you have to. I've learned to do my own checks, so I don't take so much notice now. Oh, that's that's really good because um, I was kind of hoping that you'd say that because I I rely on you. So anything that you say, I endorse, and it's nice that you're not listening to anybody else. <laughs> you're actually doing the research yourself. No, I, I'm I am different to you in this. I because I've said earlier that I am listening to people. I still do. I don't. I think I find myself less and less going out and searching for these things. Sometimes it's a bit passive or something will drop into my inbox or something like that. Or I'll go and ask a friend, look, I need a need a plug in for this particular situation. Can you help me out with that? And our Facebook yeah. group, if you've not joined it, this is a blatant plug. Listen to me, um, is really good for this, like really good. Lots of people constantly chipping in useful things about stuff I've never even considered. So that's kind <laughs> yeah. of where our, my thought leadership comes from now is not from, you know, people who position themselves up there who are producing lots of content. It's more the sort of hive brain of uh, things like our Facebook group. I, I rely on that because there's a lot of people in those groups with a lot of experience and a lot of knowledge and with zero interest in putting out content but they've still got plenty to say and 
heaps of experience and they've got no yes. they've got no interest in the commercial twist of it they've just got the interest in being helpful and giving some solid advice based upon experience so that's kind of where i'm coming from nowadays on that point yeah do you know what and then there's a there's a key distinction there i think as well if you're asking for a product that might solve a problem that you have you're probably going to get different answers i i was also partly thinking about as we see, you know, when there's a launch of a new big, interesting product, then that is everywhere, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. And uh, so I'm not so influenced by that, although I find it still quite tricky because everybody's talking about it. So you just feel you should be interested. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, I do know what yeah. you mean. Yeah. That when a new product comes out, it's very often sort of saturating um, mm. and, and what have you. And yeah, uh, I, th- I think that's the nature of pe- uh, plug-in developers trying to uh, trying to maximize profit in the initial period mm. of interest. And I've got to be careful about that sort of stuff and um, make sure that I don't, don't do the wrong thing, you know, don't sort of over-endorse things. I think my job is more to demonstrate, here it is, have a look at it, uh, I'll give the give the developer or whoever's marketing it the platform to speak their mind, and you can figure it out for yourself from there. Uh, that's that seems to be where I've landed, and I think that's something that I'm I'm comfortable with, shall we say? Yeah, you don't you don't really endorse stuff. You just yeah present most of the stuff there. So yep. yeah, it, it's interesting, but uh, that's the thing we're moving on to next: popularity, peer pressure, FOMO, all of those things. That I mean, that I'm definitely influenced by all of those things. Oh, I, I think Pop- I think this is human nature. I think it's just a part of our psyche, isn't it? Where we are to some extent sheep. You know, given the right push in the right direction, we'll follow the crowd every time. And this stuff. <laughs> This stuff is is remarkable. This whole fear of missing out thing is unbelievably powerful. Um, yes. I, I, as far as I know, it only got named, you know, a handful of years ago. And as soon as somebody named it, I was like, oh, oh, that's what it is. That really is it. I just, what am I doing? <laughs> but I agree. <laughs> Peer pressure. So, okay, th- three things we've got. Popularity, definitely. You know, if something's popular, I kind of, have the assumption that it's popular for a reason you know if a million people are using a plugin and it's got like a five star review on wordpress.org that must mean something unless somebody has really gamed the system um peer pressure not so much peer pressure but peer advice i'll definitely take my peers advice but not so much listen you should get this um it's more what should i buy for this problem oh here's a bunch of answers i'll go and figure it out for myself and fear of missing out yes but i think that's losing its impact on me as i've noticed what it is yeah i think same here with that one popularity though is one that i question a lot because Mm -hmm. you used to rely on that and it can have great five-star reviews but again it's about it could be very popular, but I don't think what we do is necessarily that popular. So, yeah, you know, point. if we need very stable pro tools, that's probably um, that's probably we're in the minority amongst the people who will buy WordPress stuff. Interesting and valid. Yes. OK. Yeah. Good point. You know, so ma- majority might be DIYers and hobbyists or mm. new starters or something. So the popularity might be amongst the wrong people. As that's, always, that's... David, a nice little gem. I hadn't really thought about it from that angle, and that is interesting. Yeah. If it's got a million reviews, it must be being used by an awful lot of people who who don't necessarily... Oh, I don't know if I, that, what I was about <laughs> to say might not be true, so I'm going to shut up. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but we're in a market, and markets always have boom and bust as well, so you yep. might just be the last in while it was at its height of its popularity before. Oh, no, no. The there's, another, so there's... there's another episode just in there. <laughs> <laughs> so it's still a tricky one, isn't it? But yeah, FOMO, definitely. Flipping lifetime deals. Stop it with those. <laughs> yes. Yeah, amazing. Absolutely amazing, the capacity for those lifetime deals to to have sucked me in. But I, I'm getting a lot better. I'm getting a lot... I don't know what it is. I, I've become more self-critical. I actually look at it and... and in the past, I had much more of an opinion of, oh, I could make use of that, so I'd buy it. <laughs> now, it's much more, have I ever needed that? Um, yes. And the answer is, most of the time, no. 
Um, and so that's my criteria now, and it seems to that seems to work for me. And I've I've definitely opened my wallet less and less for those kind of things as time's gone on. And then we talked about roadmaps, didn't we? This is our very last point: roadmaps, yeah. future development. I actually think we've possibly no need to say much about it because we've done it already. A minimal roadmap, which is which is um, not fill it, filled with clutter. That's what that's what I want to see. That's yeah. serving the need of the audience. Yeah, I think so. When it's too wide, that's the thing, isn't it? A roadmap that's probably seems key, it seems natural to the progression of that product seems mm. fine. But when it gets too wide, that worries me. Mm. Yeah. Mm. You know, I think we've done it. I think we've cracked we that one. I think that was actually quite a um, quite a well planned episode, David. Congratulations to you for your comprehensive <laughs> show notes. Um, we're getting better at these, aren't we? Kind of collaborating before the episode begins and uh, having something to say after last week's discussion or whenever it was, <laughs> where we we just I just don't think we had it in us. So this was this was a, a nice turnaround. I think we've come out fighting again. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah we'll never know actually we we just talk and we have no idea no, how this no, will go down with no. yeah it's probably a load of rubbish whether we think it's good or not <laughs> right on, on yeah. that bombshell i'm gonna uh, say bye-bye david i'll see you soon bye-bye well i hope you enjoyed that and got something out of it very very interesting discussion as i said most of that was inspired by david's thoughts on the matter so i'm grateful for him to for stepping up and coming up with this week's topic Maybe some of that chimed and made sense to you and maybe some of it was things that you've never thought of before and will now start to implement. The WP Builds podcast was brought to you today by WP and Up. One in four of us will be directly affected by mental health-related illness. WP and Up supports and promotes positive mental health within the WordPress community. This is achieved through mentorship, events, training and counselling. Please help enable WP and Up by visiting wpnop.org forward slash give. So remember that we'll have a podcast episode coming out next Thursday. We'll also have the news I put together and very short 15 minute WordPress weekly news audio, which comes out on Monday. And then at 2pm, also on a Monday, 2pm UK time, we discuss live with some guests in our Facebook group. Um, we discussed that news and how, how we feel the last week has been. That's wpbuilds.com forward slash Facebook. So hopefully you'll be able to join us for some of those things. And all I have to say now is thanks for joining us. Bye bye for now.